Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 249 of Weekly Poker Hand. Hope you're all having a great week. Let's go ahead and get right to it. We are playing 5-5-10 with a $20 straddle. And Kathy, under the gun, plus one, picks up ace-queen offsuit, raises to 65. That is perfectly fine and reasonable. You may find that you need to make it a little bit more in these games just because players will call with all sorts of marginal junk. Like imagine people have ace-10 suited, right? They're probably going to call 80. Don't be afraid to make it just a little bit larger if people are going to call with a wide range. And if we've seen anything here at Stone's Gambling Hall over the last six or eight episodes of Weekly Poker Hand, people call with all sorts of stuff. All right, now, seven loan four cards. We're just going to call him loan. Loan elects to call in the cutoff. And then Devo, who loves to splash around, splashes around with the Jack-9 offsuit in the small blind. Jack-9 should probably just be folded. It's not a great hand, especially when there's someone in the straddle who may just bump it up again. You'll find that if you're playing 5-5-10 with a $20 straddle, very often the straddler is really looking for action, and people who are looking for action will often re-raise a decent chunk of the time. So it's going to go 65 call, call, and then the straddler is going to make it 300-something, and then Dave Ho's just going to have to fold, right? So it's often not going to lead to a great outcome. But um, here's a pretty nice outcome. Jack, 9, 8. So Dave o flops two pair. Kathy flops a gut shot. And Lone flops an open-ended straight draw. Okay. Dave checks in the small blind, as he should. He should check here very frequently. And now it's on Kathy. Maybe it's not on Kathy. Let's see. Let's wait for everyone to figure out what's happening. If you're not watching the video of this, by the way, you can find it at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash WPH. Never mind, Davo's leading. This is a spot where I think when it becomes very multi-way, you should be inclined to check. I do get the idea that leading makes a lot of sense on these middle card type boards, usually if the board's a little bit lower. But when you're against an early position raiser who has seemed to play nothing but reasonably so far, being Kathy, right? And then also Lone, I mean, we haven't even seen a hand with him yet, so presumably he's playing reasonably. They're going to have a lot of medium and big cards in their ranges. So you can count on one of those players betting, and that's going to allow you to raise. When you lead with Jack-9 here, you're essentially pricing them in with all of their decent draws and made hands, right? And you don't really want to do that. You'd much rather check raise here and just get all the money in immediately, or... Um, lead huge. Now pot was, let's see, it must have been $220. And Dave leads for $125. I would definitely lead bigger here if you're going to lead. In this scenario, if you're leading, you're going to be leading with your best made hands and your draws. If you've seen my video on YouTube, when to continuation bet and how much, the idea of being very polarized and betting large applies here. So if you're going to bet, you want to bet big. And you would like to bet big here with your best made hands, like Jack-9. And also um, draws most mostly a 10, right? Maybe even a queen. Like say you had queen four of spades. So you had a uh, gut shot with a backdoor flush draw. Maybe that makes sense as well. All right. Anyway, he does bet. He bets 125. And now Kathy with the gut shot should just fold. And she does. And now Lone with ace-10 of spades... For an open-ended straight draw and an overcard in position, he elects to call, and I don't see any other option for him. 
At this point, whenever small blind leads, by the way, you don't want to be raising in the spot where your draws because the small blind very likely has either a good made hand, which you're crushed by, or a draw, which you're ahead of with ace high. So there's no point in raising. Um, that said, you are you have to realize you are drawing with this ace 10. All right, turn is a king. Pretty nasty card for king jack, or for uh, jack nine. But I think you should still keep betting. Dave decides to check though. Trying to see how I feel about this. I think this is a scenario where if you had a strong made hand on the flop, it's still pretty good. Obviously, you lose to King Jack, King Nine. But besides that, you're in fine shape. Also, there are a lot of draws you want to protect from, and there are a lot of marginal made hands that can easily call if you bet. Like, say, Lone is sitting here with Queen Jack. Well, he's not going to fold if you bet again, right? Or say he did just turn a King with King Queen. He's not going to fold. Or if he had a hand like 10 9, he's not going to fold. So you just want to bet and get money in. The problem with checking is that if you check raise now and get action, you're probably going to be beat. And if you check call, well, that allows loan to very easily check behind on the river, and that makes it hard for you to get paid. So I think Dave just wants to keep betting. But he does check. Now, well, they went snap to the, the river. <laughs> should loan bet the turn with his ace-10 high? And I think he definitely should. This is a spot where if you bet and get raised, you can easily fold. It's not ideal, but you can fold. You have to think in this scenario about what are the worst hands in loans range. And if you think about it, on jack, nine, eight, king, queen, 10 got there. King, queen made top pair, right? Like everything got there with some pair. So if you want to be betting with anything, which certainly you want to bet queen, 10 and king, jack, right? You also want to be betting with some bluffs, and it's really hard to come up with bluffs that call an under-the-gun raise, right? This is where it's very important to understand what your range looks like. And just from studying even a little bit over at PokerCoaching.com, you would know that you have essentially no bluffs here. So you need to be looking really hard for them, and when you find one, it needs to be bet. And right here, the ace-10 is a very obvious bet in my mind. And you're going to bet turn, and you're going to bet big on the river. That's the plan. If you do bet with ace-10 on the turn and you get check-raised, well, you're going to fold. And notice, it would have worked out great this time because you were against jack-9. You were drawing pretty thin, and you get to not lose more money. So I think this is a pretty easy bet for loan in this spot on the turn. But he doesn't. River is a 9, giving uh, Dave O, who I said should fold preflop, a full house. Sometimes when you splash around, well, you'll get there. Dave should definitely bet again. Same story. It's so easy for Dave to be against a jack or a king. I don't think you can go too big here. Pot's 480. I think if you bet too big, you're going to have a tough time getting paid. This is one of these unfortunate spots where you have the nuts or these effective nuts. But if you bet big, your opponent just can't call you very often. So I would bet on the bigger side. Pot's 480. I think I'd go 270 or something like that. Trying to get called by a king or a jack. I understand you block the jack. Look, you're not you're gonna have a hard time getting called for a huge bet, so I think 270 or so is nice. If you go too small, you just end up leaving money on the table. In this scenario, there's always some line that will result in you getting called by a lot of marginal made hands, and you don't want to bet too much above that or any above that. Because let's say we knew that loan would call 270 with a jack or a king. But if he faced a bet of 400, well, he would always fold a jack or a king. Well, in that case, clearly 400 is terrible, and 270 is great, right? Um, you were not really trying to get called by nut hands here, which is an important concept, because 
there just are no nut hands in Lone's range. If Lone had 9-8, he would have bet the turn. If he had King-9, he would have bet the turn. If he had King-Jack, he would have bet the turn. So we're trying to get called by marginal stuff. And as I think about this more and more, maybe even smaller, like 220 is better, just because it's hard to get called in this scenario unless we are getting called by a hand that is junky. All right, he bets 275. Now, back to Lone. Lone, I assumed, would snap fold, but he's counting out chips like he's about to call. Calling here would be terrible. Do not call here. You lose to literally everything. What about raising? I would be, well, I was going to say, I'd be very cautious with raising in this scenario because think about Davo's range, right? He led the flop, check, check, turn, which is weird, and now he's betting again on this river. Think about the leading range. Go back to thinking about the leading range for, for Dave. It should be a lot of two pairs, which just got there on the river, right? Jack nine and nine eight got there and they're not folding. It could be sets. Those aren't folding either. And it could be bluffs. But again, what bluffs are there? Ace 10, right? You block ace 10. Um, it could be a hand like maybe queen four of spades, like I said, but queen four of spades, you beat that too, interestingly enough. Maybe he's reading into the bet size, thinking that Davo would always bet bigger with his nut hands, but I think, like I just said, that would be an obvious mistake in this spot. So I like the idea of bluffing with some of your hands that are the worst hands in your range, but this is not a good one to do it with because you block a lot of the draws, right? You block backdoor ace high flush draw, like ace seven of spades that may lead the flop. You block, you block um, random tens, like 10, 10, six that may lead the flop. So this is not the hand to do this with. I think if you're going to be raising the river, it used to be a hand like jack eight, but you bet jack eight on the turn. I guess you need to be raising a hand like eight, seven. Would you even call a flop bet with eight, seven? Probably not. This is a weird spot, right? In theory, if you have no bluffs besides like this exact ace 10, I guess you just need to use it as a bluff raise because you're, you're bluffing. Uh, you're raising for value on the river some portion of the time, but... I don't see this succeeding very often, not because we can see the cards, but just in general. That said, it sure is strong. So the bet was at 275. Let's see how much um, loan made it. They're only only a thousand behind. Loan made it 500 more, so 775 into a 1500 pot. If he picks up the pot a third of the time, he immediately profits, assuming these graphics are right. So will Dave fold a third of his range. I think that's roughly what we're looking at. Maybe the stacks are wrong. I'm not entirely sure. So will Dave fold a third of his range in this scenario? Very possibly? I don't know. It's a weird spot. Go to pokercoaching.com. Maybe we'll do a homework question about this because this is a dicey one. I don't think this is going to work very often though, especially due to the flop lead. If there wasn't a flop lead, this hand would be very different. You know, a problem that a lot of poker players have is they try to transfer various experiences they've had in hands that were similar but different to specific situations and like how often does it go flop lead check check on the turn and then bet river and then raise it just like doesn't happen right so this is a scenario where it's very important to really drill down and think about your opponent's range and here i think Davo is going to end up with a lot of boats on the river and if your opponent has lots of boats obviously you just don't want to bluff so anyway Back over to Deo, Devo, and he instantly went all in. I think that's probably a mistake too, because if you think about Lone's range at this point, Lone is going to have 
to raise the river? Like, what's he even going to have? He's going to have a boat, which, you know, you lose to King Nine and you lose to Pocket Kings, which he probably doesn't have. You lose to Pocket Jacks, which you block. I guess you beat Nine Eight, but I don't know if you need to be raising in this spot. This is close. I mean, this depends entirely on how often Lone is going to call the raise with Queen Ten or just a naked Nine, right? Also, if you have a nine here on the river, by the way, don't raise the river with just a nine. Just uh, just call the bet because whenever you get called, you're often going to be in very bad shape. But I think in this scenario, the, the prudent line is definitely just to call in Davo's shoes because there actually are combinations of hands that you lose to. They're not likely to have been played in this way, but they exist. And you have to understand that you don't necessarily know how your opponent is going to play. Therefore, sometimes being a little bit cautious when a boatload of money is going in the pot is ideal. That said, um, well, now uh, Lone would be insane to call. He's sitting here thinking for a while. It's as if he's counting the, the pot or something. In this scenario, I don't think there's any merit in saving face, especially when you're playing on TV, right? People are going to be able to see your cards. Just fold. And if anything, it makes people afraid if you can raise this river and then just snap fold because you know what you're doing, right? I know this is the bottom of my range. I know I'm bluffing with it. I'm supposed to do this. And yes, it failed. It failed. I don't care. Moving on with my life, right? So anyway, he eventually folds, and um, that was a doozy. I want to thank you all for being here today. Have fun in your games. I hope you guys get to play in fun, action-packed games just like at Stone's Gambling Hall. <laughs> that is what I wish for all of you for this week. Have fun, good luck, and I'll talk to you next time.